if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Our chat today is with Christoph Pitts. For people who don't know, I'm sure there's not too many people that don't know Christoph, but he worked for almost 40 years for the German Equestrian Federation. He's retired now. He's been a contributor to the principles of riding, which I would like to talk to him about within our chat today. He's a four-star FEI dressage judge, and he's also an international eventing judge. He's chairman of the IGEQ, so the International Group for Equestrian Qualifications, author of, I'm not quite sure, at least six, seven books. Um, most of them are written in German, which is very sad, but he does have one ride better in English. And at the moment, he spends his time teaching privately, doing seminars, schooling, and, of course, he's an international dressage judge. So he would be or a dressage and eventing judge, so I suppose travelling with that. Christoph, how are you? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very well. Thank you very much. In these very, very special times in the corona times, which yes. is a problem which we have all over the world, therefore everything is shut down still. But uh, in Germany, where I am now, and uh, it's difficult to travel, uh, it's now a little bit more open, and the training will start, and the very first, to be honest, very small competition will start again. So therefore, I'm fine, and I'm coming back slowly into my real life, giving clinics, having seminars, and things which I love to train horses and people. Christoph, it's just wonderful to have you here, you know, for people that have sort of followed you for a while. This is pretty exciting for me, you know, met you before, but followed you for much longer. Um, Christoph, before we even get started, your favourite quote, and this helps our listeners, you know, if they don't know you, um, just to get a little bit of an idea of you behind your um, public persona, I suppose. You know, if you've got a favourite quote, something that you say, again and again and again. So you might say to particularly teaching or training or something you say to yourself. Uh, yeah, I always say what is the philosophy behind everything? What is the okay. red line? What is the headline? Yeah, and um, I think for me very important is, and this is the older I am, the more I'm teaching, um, I see it more and more that um, we have to give our riders because we have to uh, see from which background these people are coming. They are not coming in, in my part of the world, but I'm traveling a lot and four years ago I've been uh, two times in Australia which I love very much. I was there nine times in total. And um, But we have in our region here um, very many people when they start to, to ride and when they ride as well they are looking very much from the yeah, internet computer uh, um, points of view, and um, they don't have a, a good feeling for horses. And when I teach, and that's my quote, my red line, that's my philosophy. I want to give the um, uh, the riders, my students, and um, uh, all the people, my spectators, when I have bigger uh, um, seminars. I want to give them a feeling for a horse. I want to to 
explain them the body language of the horse. Because I think in our um, generation, it's very important that we that we uh, understand uh, uh, the interior, the heart, the brain of a horse. And uh, uh, because we have to understand that the horse is a flight animal. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that the horse is a hurt animal. And all these um, instincts which horses have, we have to understand when we are together with horses, when we train horses, when we ride horses in all disciplines, uh, on all levels, with all different motivations. One wants to go to the Olympics, another just want to hack cross-country. But we have to understand our horse, and when we under, are able to understand our horse, we are able to love our horses. And without love, nothing will work. So therefore, I think this is for me much more um, important than to train special skills, which I have to do as well, to be honest. And this is, at the end of the day, maybe the main part part to, to train these kind of skills to the scale of training. But I think it's very important to understand the special of the horse. And each horse is very special, very unique. And to understand that this is, for me, uh, yeah, the red line, and this is what I want to teach, and this is, for me, my, yeah, my, the spirit when I'm doing it. And to be honest, the older I am, the more I look into this direction and help the riders to understand their horses and always to understand if something is not working in the way they maybe want to school their horses, that they, before they start to react, they first to think, what can I do from the rider's point of view better before I now use my leg or my reins or this and this and this. No, I have to understand that the horse in, in a special way is a, a mirror of myself. And therefore, I have first to look into the mirror and looking and, and seeing myself. And then I think, okay, I did this not good. or I did this not good. I, my horse didn't understand me. The communication was not good. Um, and then... I can make the decision how I can uh, explain the horse to jump this fence or to jump the ditch or uh, to do this movement and all this exercise and so on. And this is for me very important, the understanding of the horse and the love between the rider and the horse because no horse in the world is born so that someone is sitting in the saddle. So therefore we have always to have the feeling I am a a guest in the saddle, like a guest in a in a sitting room when I'm coming and I have an invitation by you, for instance. Like I'm still a guest, and then therefore I have to accept your rules and have to be a little bit careful when I'm in your house. It's another situation as I'm in my own house, and this we have to understand that we are guests when we are on on the horseback in the saddle, and uh, this is for me. Very important to have an understanding into this direction. And then I think at the end of the day, when we have this understanding, we will get a better harmony between our horse and us, or us and our horse. And this is, for me, the main point. And this is, if you would say it, yeah, not with one sentence or one word, but this is the red line, the philosophy which I have in mind when I'm training on all different levels in all countries, in 
all different directions. So when you're training, and I, I understand, you know, you're developing the love, you want the harmony with the horse. When you're teaching riders, and I'm thinking about riders when they very first start riding, do you think people have that in the early stages or is this developing over time? Yeah, I, I think so. It is, it is something um, you have from the trainer's point of view mm-hmm. always in your mind because that's a, a permanent process. It's not something you did it and then uh, it is in, in the mind, in the heart, in the brain of the riders. No, it is something. And I think very important is um, um, the way how you teach because you are an example for your rider as well. And if you teach in a nice, harmonious, fair, horse-friendly way, uh, uh, then uh, that's the best uh, chance for you uh, that the rider will do it uh, in a similar way. And um, therefore, you, from the teacher's point of view, you have to get an harmony for the, uh, between you and the horse, which you are teaching, and you and the rider, which, uh, who you are teaching. And therefore, uh, this is very important that all three, horse, rider, teacher, are in a harmony. And you have to talk with the rider and, very important, with the horse as well, in a friendly way. The horse will not understand um, the language. Not If I talk in German, the horse, an, an Australian horse, the horse will understand me or not understand me. And if, if I talk in English, it will understand me or not understand me. But the horse will understand uh, my voice. Uh, it is uh, loud or not so loud. And, and all my, 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 the music, um, will, the horse will understand my, my, uh, how I use my tongue. And um, it is um, the same thing um, with the rider as well. When I talk with the rider, I have to do it in a not aggressive way, so that the rider will will um, um, yeah will will have a positive mood, will will uh, relaxed, will will have a good relaxation and happiness himself or herself. And that's for me very important. Uh, that I, I have this good atmosphere. That's for me, um, yeah, the first step into the right direction. And then, very important, which kind of words I am um, using? Do I talk in a nice way about horses, or do I use uh, bad words about horses? That's a bad horse, and don't ride this horse, and in, to talk in this way, and uh, horses stupid. Uh, in, uh, too stupid to jump this fence or to learn this um, uh, this exercise, this period or these kind of flying changes or so. And if you talk into this direction, then you get a little bit of aggressive um, situation in your training and coaching situation, and that's bad. And at the end of the day, uh, the horse uh, comes into a negative situation because back again, the horse is the kind of the mirror of a rider, and if the rider is not supple and relaxed and not balanced in his body and in his brain, then this can be uh, the problem. And at the end of the day, the horse will lose it because a rider who has this unbalanced situation in his body and in his brain, this will be not a rider who is able to bring a horse 
and him or herself into a mental and physical balance, I expect. And therefore, I look very much into this direction to have this harmonious situation. So if you're, you know, and I'm thinking from a teaching, coaching point of view, you have a rider who, and I think that 99% of horse owners, riders, everyone wants to do the right thing. So you have the rider who wants to have this love for the horse and working in harmony and, and being one with the horse. They want to do it. They mentally, emotionally want to do it. But physically, what do you think is the main, and I'm sure that you see, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of riders, what do you think is the main problem or the main thing that a rider can work on physically to help them achieve what they want to achieve? Yeah. Um, although first of all, um, I think um, the rider has to put the finger into his or her direction and not as we look uh, often uh, that the finger um, of the rider is not to him or her, uh, but to the horse. Mm-hmm. And they always, it, it, it's the same when I ask something, tell a little bit about you. And then they tell always about their horses. My horse is not doing this and not doing this. And that no, stop. What is, uh, what do you think about you? What is good with you and, and, and with the horse? And then they start again, my horse is not doing this and not doing this and blah, blah. So and I, then I say, then I see that they think very much always from the um, horse's point of view. And um, if I would say, and I have uh, traveled in so many, many countries in Europe and USA and what I love very much, Australia at all. Therefore, I was in Brisbane, I was in Adelaide, I was in Perth, I was in Sydney and Melbourne and all these lovely places in Tasmania and so on. I was, uh, I love it to be there. So therefore, I'd seen so many different parts of the world. But I think if I would say what the riders have to learn, because I look always from the rider's point of view, the force is always the mirror. I think what riders have to learn very much to 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 do things in the right way with a horse is that the riders have to learn to use the driving aids in a proper way. In the old days, I always thought, okay, the main problem is that the riders are not balanced enough in the saddle. They use too much the reins to find their balance, and therefore they they yeah they ride too much against. The nature of the horse, I said in the beginning, the horse is a flight animal, and whenever you use the reins, you ride against the instinct of the horse, against the flight instinct. And because the horse gets pain and then runs maybe more and more, the more the rider is using the rein, and then the horse is unhappy, and then the horse is short in the neck, or is against a bit, or is doing other, riders say, stupid things. But at the end of the day, the rider is the reason. But the more I think about it, and the more I see the riders riding, the more I see that the riders don't have the right feeling how to use their driving aids. And if a horse is not in front of the rider at the driving aids, and the legs are very, very important, and the way how to use the legs, that's for me, uh, if I would say, what is the main problem which we have now uh, all over the world um, uh, in the training of horses that the ride and as I say especially in the training of horses that the riders often are not or the many riders and 
I wouldn't say most of the riders, but very, very many riders, maybe more or less all average riders, more or less all average riders and lower, are not able to use the driving aids in the right way. And this is for me often the um, uh, the beginning of a negative situation. And this is something what the trainers, the coaches, the instructors, the riding teachers and so on have um, to have in mind and have to um, yeah, to, to practice and have mm. to learn and, and at the end of the day in the first lessons in, in the long not in the very first but in, in, in the first lessons in the long lessons and I think this is for me very very important um, that riders are learning this and if yeah, if I would say it what's the main problem I would say it is very much uh, this um, the situation okay okay I'd like you to think back now you know and I'm thinking that you know almost 40 years for the German Equestrian Federation how do you think first of all we'll talk about dressage how do you think the sport of dressage has evolved over the last 40 years you know what do you think it was like 40 years ago compared to now and yeah just tell us a little bit about that about the involvement of dressage yeah yeah, very good. That's, uh, I love this question because I think many people think, okay, the horses, are, <laughs> they always say the horses are much better uh, since the last 40 years, uh, but the riding is not better. And I don't say this. I say uh, that we have lovely horses, the breeders all over the world. And I want to understand, uh, underline the, the sentence or part of the sentence, all over the world are better. And the breeders are doing a great job, comma, and many, many riders are doing a great job as well. Also, we have really many, many good riders, and um, uh, many riders have a lovely understanding how to ride and to train horses. So this is one thing, that we have bad riders and riders who train into wrong direction, I think that's something we we see and uh, we know that a good training is difficult. This was 40 years ago a problem, and it's still a problem, and it will be in 40 years a problem still, I'm sure. So, um, because um, I think one of the most difficult disciplines in the world is having a sport with another animal. And it's difficult to, to have sport with other humans. Uh, with an animal is very, very special. So therefore, we need very special skills. This is the problem, or that's a challenge. That's not a problem, which is, that's a challenge which we have. Therefore, we will see from time to time not so good pictures, not because the riders are bad or because the riders are doing wrong things, but they are not able to do it better. So that's the thing that it was 40 years ago. It's now, and it will be in 40 years. But now we have um, these lovely type of horses. And when the breeders say, okay, the horses are so easy to ride, just set on horseback, and uh, the better the breeding, uh, the easier the riding. And I say, no, that's not the point. It is the better the horses, the more difficult the riding. Because the horses which we have today, um, I always say more Horses like uh, like a Ferrari, like mm. uh, um, a sport car, 
Therefore, we have to ride very these kind of horses very, very in a very, very sensitive way, because the neck, the position, neck head is very soft. The throat latch is very soft, and therefore these kind of horses have often not an open throat latch, but a closed uh, short um, uh, throat latch and a, uh, and a short neck. They are the whole time behind vertical and. Uh, people who are not true experts think, okay, that's uh, low, round, and deep, that's Rollkur, something like this, and then they say, oh, terrible riding. But the problem is not the, ter- or the, it's, or the it's not the reason of um, of terrible and bad riding. No, it is the reason is that the rider is not able to open the throat latch to stretch the neck, so that the horse is really able to seek the bit. Why? Uh, the horses are often a little bit weak in the back, and um, they have often active hind legs. But the the, the activity of the hind legs are not um, uh, the activity of the hind legs is not the same as carrying weight with the hind legs. And often horses are active behind, but they don't carry the weight, and they are not coming with the hind legs under the center of gravity, and therefore they are not able to carry the weight which is important to use the neck um, as a, to, to balance the whole body with an open throat latch. And this is, for me, the red line which a rider has to have in mind when he starts to train a younger horse. And many riders, they different reasons, they don't have the time to do it. And this they have to do at least for one or two years in a very, very serious way to establish um, uh, the uh, the back uh, uh, muscles uh, of the horse and the the, the muscles of um, the well stretched muscles of the neck, so that the horses will have the whole time an open throat latch. This is for me the challenge uh, today when you school horses. And many riders don't have the understanding. And when a horse is not trained in the kindergarten and in the primary school like this, um, in a very serious way, then at the end of the day, you have a horse which has always a short neck, has always is not able to find the right um, the right balance uh, with a well stretched neck. And that's for me the reason. Why um, uh, why many uh, uh, people, trainers and riders, have uh, today problems with the horses, which are, um, yeah, from the breeding's point of view, they have a much, much higher level as we had 40 years ago. The 40 years ago, the horses had a very difficult neck uh, head connection. And often the main problem was, to be able to ride a horse in a way around because the horse was very much uh, against the bit, very strong. They didn't have these lovely um, swinging, um, expressive or impressive movements, the long moment of suspension, uh, because they were the whole time working against the, the rider's bits, bits because they they have not the possibility to be really in a positive way round swinging over the back, which is now, if you do it in the right way, much easier with the horses because they have much more elasticity in their movements and, uh, yeah, have more skills to jump 
uh, lovely with uh, good reactions, being careful and uh, yeah, being able to do it in a nice style over fences. And this is uh, what I love to see now that the horses are, from this point of view, better. But the sensitivity of the riders is, from my point of view, the most important challenge now and the the gymnastic process, the training to the scale of training in the beginning, that's a key point. And if you don't do this in a very serious way, then you will get at the end of the day a horse. And I would say, and we, these kind of horses we have sometimes in the world, they are lovely movers when they when you see these young horses, and especially here in Warendorf at the Bundeschampionat. And I was judging the last four years. In, in the, the World Championships in Amelo in Holland as a commentating judge and as a, a pure judge. And I'd seen so many lovely horses. But from time to time, you see some of these lovely horses not trained seriously um, in, the, in the beginning, in the kindergarten, in the primary school time. And when you don't do this uh, seriously, uh, then you never will come really to the top because the basic things especially for these young horses, which are trained now 40 years later, um, are so sensitive. And uh, yeah, then they, I, I would say, if I say it very, very um, black and white, I would say these horses are at the end of the day broken. And then you never have um, the lovely uh, elasticity back when they are broken a little bit uh, as you would have if they would train in a, in a nice and serious way. And I think this is the biggest challenge which we have now. And that's the big, biggest difference between uh, today and 40 years ago. 40 years ago, it was, uh, we had many horses much difficult, more difficult to ride in the very beginning. Therefore, the riders need more time to do it in the beginning because they couldn't um, ride as quickly as uh, now. Uh, uh, train the horses, but um, therefore they needed more time to train them. And now it's easier. And uh, I would say the riders should take nearly the same time in the beginning uh, as 40 years ago uh, to have um, the horses. Or the, then, then they are able uh, to have uh, to be able to to yeah to produce the total talent of the horse, uh, which the horses. Got by yeah by Godfather when they are born and uh, yeah to bring the 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 best out of it when they train in the beginning in a better way. Okay, now if we've got a horse, a nice well-bred horse, good horse, we've got a lovely rider who's given the horse education at kindergarten and primary school to get the best out of the horse. The horse has naturally got a nice style over fences. Is there anything else we need to do over fences or is the work over fences to improve the horse over fences based on the work on the flat? Um, yeah, for me, I would say um, uh, that every rider has to have in mind, um, and I had a couple of years ago in Germany, different uh, a lot of seminars and um the title was grand prix is basic 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 and mm -hmm. i think 
that's a little bit what we have in mind, that many riders think, okay, uh, basic, other uh, kindergarten and primary school is uh, uh, has been finished. So now we can start with the real um, training. And I think at the end of the day, the the basic skills are most important. And when when we have problems with our horses, 99% of these kind of problems are problems which we can fix when we fix skills which are not properly trained on the basics. So therefore, I think that's for me uh, the main point when I train, when I school, when I teach, when I explain that riders have to look into this, uh, into this direction. I think this is for me um, very important. This is for me, and I hope I did understand the question in the right way. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and this is for me very important in all disciplines and on all levels. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's not something... Uh, only the very best writers in the world have to have in mind uh, because they think into this direction. And um, But all writers, uh, um, the average writer and the, the writers who just go hacking, they have to do it in a similar way. They have to have an understanding um, uh, looking from this point of view. I think that's, that's for me something we have to have in mind when we school our horses, um, yeah, uh, yeah, during the whole process, I would say. Yeah. Is it is it uh, the answer of um, your question? I think the answer very early, you said Grand Prix is basic, 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 and that, yes. I think, has answered the question. So I think very well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and at the end of the day, um, uh, you can say uh, that the, the training of Grand Prix starts with the very first lesson with a horse, mm-hmm. because... Uh, you you have always to have in mind what is the goal what I have and there are not different goals no it has to be always a goal I I should have have the possibility to come to Grand Prix like in in show jumping or in 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 eventing highest level or in 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 dressage as well I think this is therefore that for for all these uh, Olympic uh, question disciplines and I'm sure carriage driving and and, and, and the other disciplines as well, but uh, the Olympic disciplines I, I know very well. And I think that's, that's a very um, uh, important point that you have this in mind, that you start from the, from the very beginning with a focus and the goal into this direction. And this is very important that you don't say, okay, the very first year, it, it's, uh, it's not a problem. I can do this and this and this a little bit, and I play a little bit. But you have always to have in mind some skills. Horse has to be in front of the driving aid. I have to be careful with my, with my, with my reins. I have to use my body language to turn. Things like this um, uh, are very, very important. And I have to, to, to teach this from the very beginning. And I have to have this in mind from the very, very first minute when I start the training of a horse. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, 
if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Thinking about riders, and I know that you teach all over the world, you know, and you'd see a lot of young riders with potential who have got lovely horses and they're working with quality trainers, they've got quality horses, they've got very similar opportunities. What is it that one goes out and wins gold at the Olympics or gets to ride, you know, a few different horses, not just one horse at Grand Prix, but trains and goes on and does well? What do they have? over the ones that sort of, I don't want to say just don't make it because some people can make it and be professionals within the horse industry, even though they're not at the top elite level. What does the person have in their personality? Thinking personality because they've all had quality horses, quality trainers, they're all physically very similar. But what is it that makes someone better? Than everyone else. Yeah. Is there something uh, yeah. in, their, in their personality? Uh, yeah. In their, yeah. Mm. yeah. Although it is from everything a little bit. Although it's, uh, I'm sure it is personality. I will say something uh, about it because I had seen in all my years uh, in the national and international sport uh, people coming and going. And so what uh, what is what I, I saw and see the difference between these people, the personality of these people. And um, I, I would say, first of all, it is very important that they have a, a, the riders who want to come to a higher level. They need a very, very good foundation. I will give an example. I now in the Corona time, I couldn't travel a lot, or I couldn't not a lot. I couldn't travel, so therefore I couldn't give clinics and seminars. I had uh, my diary was full, 100%, and from one day to another, from 100% to zero, nothing. So then I, I um, give online lessons uh, to a lady in, um, or I have to better to say to a family in California online, and move and see. That's quite a quite a good um, system. And um, I didn't know uh, the family before. And they asked me to give them lessons, and I do it now three times a week. Mm-hmm. And they have a 17-year-old daughter, and uh, this daughter is a really good rider. She is on, I would say, I other intermediate one level uh, with potential to Grand Prix. And for a 17-year-old young lady, girl, she is really, really very, very talented. She rides always two horses with me. Uh, via online, and um, why is she so good? I think two things. First of all, a very, very good foundation, lovely position in the saddle, very well relaxed and supple, and very well balanced. So these, and a lovely position, uh, yeah, because of relaxation and balance. That's the first part. 
but she was four years uh, at the longing lesson, or they got got four years mm-hmm. longing lessons by mainly by her mother. So this is very important to have a lovely, lovely foundation. That's uh, that's for me very important. The second thing is, therefore, I said it's from everything a little bit. Uh, the foundation is important. The second thing is uh, that you are totally focused what you are doing, and you have to be a lot of the ambitious. You have to be ambitious, and you need a lot of motivation, and you need a lot of, um, yeah, if you have a frustration, you have to say, keep on. Keep on, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. Never stop it and always go on and always see the next open door. And um, many people I know are lovely riders at home, but uh, maybe they are not so good in competitions. But I think the really um, successful riders, to be honest, we have, I think, a lot of riders who are very, very good in training, but not so successful. Maybe they are nearly as good as a good, or maybe probably better than, than very, very um, successful riders in competitions. But when you want to compete, uh, you need special competition skills. You want to win. You want to win. Example, one of the most successful riders in the world is Michael Jung. He's a German guy. He did win gold medals, two gold individual medals in Olympic Games. He did win world championships and medals at world championships, Europeans, and so on and so on, badminton winner, and and so on and so on. And and he is show jumping as well. And now, in um, um, therefore, you see a little bit the skills and and the personality of of people who are successful. And Michael Young is one of them. And um, he had a telephone chat uh, two days ago with someone, and I was standing next to this guy, and um, uh, then Michael Jung said to this person, uh, oh, I, I hope uh, that in Germany we can start uh, to train our horses now at different places, and then we have small local competitions, and so that we can start a little bit with our younger horses, and he was telling this, and I love it, now I can start and start here and there and there. And then now the second part of the sentence is important. And then when the true sport starts again, maybe end of this year or beginning next year, then I can win again. You need a winning mentality and not just, oh, I, I'm, I'm happy when I have a clear round uh, about 1 meter 50. No, winning mentality is much more than having a nice, harmonious, uh, clear round. And this is, I think, the difference uh, between the real world-class riders, uh, they have a winning mentality. They want to win, and then uh, the first loser is not uh, is, is, is the person who is second. And I had helped Oliver Tonant, uh, the eventing rider in England a little bit last year, and at the end he was losing badminton um, with, uh, he said, with two strides. He was... W- and cross country, he had one time penalty, 0.4 time penalties cross country. Clear round, cross country, no fence penalties, but just 0.4. So this was one stride, and then and in show jumping, he had one rail in hand, and he had at the end one rail down, also four penalties, and then he was one 
second too slow. Therefore, he got 0-4 time penalties in show jumping as well. And then he was not able to call me for two weeks because he was so disappointed. And then he called me and said, Christoph, I couldn't call you. I lost badminton with two strides, one in show jumping and one in cross country. We talk about badminton. Mm -hmm. And he was so frustrated, but he is a winning rider. And he called me when he, he was first and second after the Sarge, and he had uh, the world's highest uh, badminton dressage result. And then he called me when he was still sitting in the saddle, uh, coming back to the practice in the arena and said, I was amazing the horse moved because I'd helped him a little bit before. So therefore, you see, that's the mentality you need when you want to be on the top. And um, yeah, uh, you have to be a little bit of kind of a winning machine. I think this is very important. And I look, if we look to Andrew Hoy uh, and to look, I think in the old days, to Mark Todd, and yes. when you look to Lutka Beerbaum or Isabel Wehrt, all these riders, or uh, Lee Pearson, for instance. Lee Pearson, he is a para rider. And years ago, uh, Stephen Clark, the five-star um, dressage rider from England, and me, we had a, a master class in uh, Hartbury. And um, Stephen said, okay, Christoph, I want to work with a para rider. And to be honest, I had heard about uh, Lee Pearson, but I didn't know him. And I had um, Carl Hester as a guinea pig and uh, Spencer Wilson is a partner in the old days, and I worked with them. And then, yeah, uh, Lee Pearson was in the arena, and uh, uh, Stephen had given the lesson to him. And to be honest, in the beginning, I couldn't see that he was he guy. He, he was a power right at the beginning. Yeah. After maybe five minutes, I saw it. He was riding on PSG level. And after this, we, I, I was talking with him. And then I said, uh, Lee, explain a little bit. What are you doing? I said, I'm a professional rider. And, and he is really, he is a, a great 1B in the old days, I think he was 1B or 1A um, uh, para rider. He really he has a very, very difficult body. And then I'm a professional rider. I said, you're a professional rider. How can it work? Oh, I break in three-year-old horses. And he is a true fighter and able to do it because you ride mainly with your brain. And then I said to him, um, if you would come back on earth, do you want to have a, a body like... Yeah, a rider who is not a power. And he said, no, I want to have exactly my body back. I want to do it with all these problems I have in my body because then I start to get the real skills to do things which are nearly impossible. And I think that's, that's the difference between a top-class average rider and a rider he's on the top, 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 top. They, they are able to make things happen which are normally not possible. And then, to be honest, they need good luck in the right moment, right second, and so on. This is part of it. But at the end of the day, in Germany, we only say that only good riders have good luck or good people have good luck. Although you have to be very, very busy, very, very busy, seven days a week, 24 hours, and always thinking into this direction and not a oh, holiday here and holiday there and oh, today is Sunday and uh, I don't work and things like this. No, 
busy, 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 and very, very focused on on this. These are skills which these um, yeah riders have to have to come on the top, top, and not having a good horse. And often they have only one one good horse. The good riders are able to produce good horses uh, quite often uh, till highest level, and not just one top class horse. And at the end of the day, then they they live because, or then they they have the success because of the quality of the the, the one horse they had just in the right time. But really good riders are able to produce many many good horses so that they are for a longer time in the international circus on the high level. Yeah, your knowledge is just brilliant. You know, you know anything I throw at you, you just give me a beautiful answer and very good explanation. But we learn from our lessons. You know, we always have lessons about this. And I want you to think back, you know, working for the Equestrian Federation, when you first started there and think when you first went in, started working for the Equestrian Federation and then, you know, finished almost 40 years later, if you had to say there's one thing that I learned working for the Equestrian Federation, this is the main thing that I learned from working there, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think communication. Mm-hmm. When you work for a federation, and this is in um, Australia, similar as in England, as in US, and so on, and in Germany as well, um, you have to communicate. A federation is yeah something where we have all different minds, and yeah, we have. Old people, young people, ladies and gentlemen. We have kids and yeah, elderly people. We have people from all different disciplines, from all parts of the country, and uh, with all different motivations. And they are, um, and and we have okay staff, and employed staff in in Warendorf, where I'm living. You know it, and um, where there's a headquarter. And then we have um, um, different uh, regions, as you have the states in in Australia, the different states. You are in Queensland and New South Wales, and so on. This we have in Germany as well. We have 16, not as big as the states in Australia, but we have 16 uh, or 17 different parts, counties in, in Germany. And in these counties, these parts of Germany, we have... Uh, employed people as well. They have their own associations, but they are very close connected um, with the German Federation, uh, also with the headquarter in Warendorf. And then we have everything under the umbrella of the Federation. We have the sport, the international sport, the Olympic sport uh, under under this umbrella. And we have, on the other hand, all uh, rural and all average uh, riders who just want to hack just uh, leisure, uh, pleasure riders. Mm-hmm. And then we have the whole breeding part from the smallest pony till the biggest uh, cold blood horses. All these people are as employed working for the Federation, maybe maybe totally 200 people, 250 people, or 300 around plus minus. And then we have a lot of volunteers working for the Federation. Very, very many. We have around 7,000 pony clubs, and all these pony clubs have uh, their 
um, volunteers uh, in the board, they have boards and they have volunteers. And all these people are part of the, they all together are the federation. And for me, what I did learn in the beginning when I came 40 years ago, and it's a little bit more now than 40 years, when I went there, I thought, okay, it's very good that I'm there because now I can change the world. And then I had to learn, it was a big lecture for me, that uh, I'm as a person, just a very, very small part of it. And the most important part is to to bring behind your opinion a group of people who agree and say, yo, that's the right way to work into this direction or to walk into this direction. And this is sometimes a big challenge to get the majority for special things you have in mind. And this was difficult. Uh, this was a challenge. I loved this very often to do it, but it was at the end of the day, not my, my favorite thing because I love people who always say, yes, that's the way. And we walk together. Then I love it. I was not so very good with people who always saw the negative things and always saw the problems coming and the, the things which will happen in the negative way. And in these situations, I was not so very good um, uh, yeah, to handle this. And uh, I was, when I think about my time, I often um, had my own opinion and I was not so good to stay for an opinion which was not my opinion. Now, when you are a good employed person for a federation, you have to stay behind things which are majority wants. But sometimes I was more on the other side, the minority, and then it was difficult for me to stand on the side of the majority when I was not uh, fully behind uh, the new rule, as an example. Yes. But I had learned it, and I think I had learned uh, that it's important that we have these federations, we need these federations, and that we have to accept the meaning, the other meanings than my meaning. And I had learned that I'm not godfather on earth, that I'm a very, very small part, and often it's very good to realize this. And now I'm very, very happy having this time for 40 years, and now I'm since four years, we say, the ambassador of education and training. I'm not now fully employed, but I'm a little part-time employed for the German Equestrian Federation. I'm a little bit a volunteer, and I'm a little bit employed, though therefore I'm now uh, looking from this point of view, and I have a very short contact to all my colleagues um, with whom I had worked for um, ages uh, still, I have a very, very good contact to the volunteers and to the employed people, but often it was a lecture for me. And to be honest, I think 40 years ago, I, I had changed a little bit my personality <laughs> because of um, my experience I had made um, mainly in the process of yeah, getting opinions and listening to different opinions and yeah, understanding that other people often have better opinions than my own opinion. Although this was often a lecture for me, and I'm yeah, very, very happy having the chance to stay for such a long time in, in a federation, in this case, uh, the German Federation. And yeah, 
I have learned it was a lecture for me, I have to say. <laughs> Christoph, I really appreciate the time that you're putting in. I do have another couple of quick questions and, um, you know, hopefully that's okay. Yes. Okay, well, I want to ask you about dressage judges, you know, and this is dressage judges generally worldwide who might start off and do a couple of very low unofficial events. This is great. And they might have an ambition to be an FEI judge. Now, Money aside, because we all have those problems, what's their biggest challenge when they start off judging? And they might have ridden some dressage. Say they've been a competitor, they start judging, and they have the ambition to be an FEI judge. What sort of challenges are they going to get that they will face? Yeah, also, but I know um, a lot of um, Australian judges, and I I like them them very much. Nick had often worked together, for instance, with Mary Seafried, and yes. we had uh, seminars together. I know a couple of years ago in in Adelaide for the eventing um, judges, and yeah, I judged a Sage in Australia and Sydney, and so on. And and I think first of all, yeah, you need the experience and the saddle. That's the very first thing you need. The the atmosphere in competitions, and the more you have had these feeling uh, how it is, the more you will understand uh, the feeling the riders will have, which you or who you will judge later on, uh, looking from the FEI judges table when you are sitting around the dressage arena. So that's that's for me very important. The second thing is what I think is very good when you do this, but this is important for national judges at the end of the day as well, and I think that's a good rule which we have in Germany. I think it's very, very good when you have, first of all, very, very good skills in the saddle, but on the other hand, that you are a trainer and or a coach. Mm -hmm. That's for me very important that you see it from this point of view as well. You have to get an, another understanding for the process of teaching and coaching uh, horses and riders. And the more you have a knowledge about it, the more easy it is to understand uh, uh, um, the judging situation. And I think the better, I would say, your judging will be. Though. Therefore, if I can give advice uh, to the FEI, I would say uh, when you want to become an FEI judge, you should have high skills in, in the saddle, uh, as a writer, and you have to have skills as a teacher as well, trainer, instructor, and so on as well. That's for me very important. And the third thing is what you have to learn, um, you have to understand the horses, what we said in the beginning of our interview, that uh, the riders get a feeling for their horses. And I think a judge will get the right feeling for a horse when he or when she starts in the very, not in very beginning, but quite early, uh, judging young horses classes. Uh, in the FEI, you can come, as I know, I don't, I'm not quite sure that the rule is still the same, but in the beginning, to be honest, it was always, you could judge Olympic Games without having the qualification equation uh, judging young horses classes. And I think it should be a little bit the other way around. You should have quite early in your international career, you have to get a special qualification judging young horses classes. Because I think when you are able to understand uh, how to judge young horses classes, then you get a feeling for young horses. And to understand elderly horses on higher levels, uh, PSG, I1, I2, 
uh, Grand Prix special freestyle, all these uh, big international classes, you have to be able to understand the five and six-year-old um, young horses dressage classes. The more you have a feeling for the young horses, the easier it is for you to judge the high-level uh, dressage classes internationally. Uh, why? Because um, on the younger, uh, on the five and six-year-old horses, young horses classes, the judges are sitting together. They communicate, and I think the communication during a test between the judges and giving then at the end uh, five marks for um, uh, trot, walk, canter, uh, then um, submission and rideability of the horse, and then a kind of a general impression and as a prospect of the horse. When you judge with these five marks together with uh, two or three other judges, this is for me the best way of learning how to judge and getting the right feeling for uh, horses. And this is for me a very, very good foundation to judge later on in your judge's box alone, giving like, maybe 35 marks for Grand Prix and judging freestyles and so on, paperless and all these things which we have now in the uh, times of the computer, which helps a lot. But at the end of the day, we need judges who are really experts in the saddle, or have been experts or are still experts in the saddle, expert in teaching. And then, from my point of view, then they have the right skills to be a good judge. So therefore, the more knowledge you have about this, the better your judging will be. That's my experience, which I had now since plus minus 30 years. All right. Now, I just briefly would like to touch on your books. Um, you contributed to the principles of writing and you've written several other books and um, more in German than English, yeah. which is a shame because yeah. we, we enjoy it in, in English. Um, okay. Do you have any other books that you're working on at the moment or tell us a little bit about the books that you've written, you know, why, what the story is? Yeah. Um, I, I had written three books. You had said in the beginning six or seven. No, I think yeah. I would written three. But I had written a lot of articles and ah, I'm still writing articles yes. In, yes. mainly in, in the German language. Um, uh, and one book is uh, really in Trafalgar in, in the U.S. Uh, published in English. And uh, all my three books are published in the Polish language, and one book is published in, in Dutch language. So, but in, in the German language, uh, it is, yeah, it's a shame. And I think every author has his own um, ideas what uh, to do. And um, uh, someone had asked me, what is the motivation for me to write books or to write articles? And uh, maybe I will, will write if I have a little bit more time and not so much uh, training around, uh, traveling around, uh, giving clinics and uh, train horses and riders and coach, um, I will um, start again to write books. But all people have their own ways to start with books and uh, articles. And I like very much, uh, because I like humans and I like horses in a similar way, I always like to write articles and books, and my three books are uh, written into this or uh, published into this direction. I always get questions from um, different writers 
who asked me um, because they have uh, challenges with their horses or they have challenges uh, themselves. Oh, I'm not able, or my horse is running away, or my horse is not learning the flying change, or my horse is uh, too fast in the period, or my horse doesn't jump ditches, or something like this. And then I try to give answers to this, and then I always explain the background, the theoretic background, uh, and I explain the nature of the horse. I try to paint a bigger picture uh, about it. I explain a little bit what they should do, maybe different ways. There's not only one way, often are different ways, and I said, try this, and if this works, fine. If this is not working, then use this way. This I explain a little bit into this direction, and then I explain always the background. Why is the horse not jumping a ditch? Or why is the horse not learning the flying change? What do you have to do before you start train the horse again with the flying changes to make the um, the, the hind legs quicker, to ride a lot of transitions between canter and trot and later on canter and walk, and then simple changes of leg. And things like this I explain a little bit. And is it so that the horse is straight on both hands? And I look very much always from the scale of training, and I explain always um, yeah, the background uh, and the theoretic part, which is behind all these um, different problems. And this is a little bit the way I had written my three books, and this will be, I think, the way if I will publish maybe in one or two years another book. And um, that's what I like very much, nicht? to help the writer who is asking, and not to write a book just about the theory about this or this or this, what most of the people are doing, and I love it to read these kind of books, but I like more to look from the writer's point of view who has a problem and and to help this writer to fix this problem in a serious way, not just explaining a trick, do this and this like a trick. Uh, that's not working. Uh, I explain, yeah, the background of what he or she has to do. Okay, yeah. Christoph, if I said, you know, just about your philosophy, I mean, you've given us a really strong philosophy right through, but if you're going to give a message to our listeners, you know, in a couple of sentences, just something for them to take away and to learn from, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say, and I would say before that for me, uh, working in the Federation, uh, working with different people, volunteers, and uh, employed people to listen to different opinions, to agree with this, uh, with opinions, to disagree and to accept different opinions and to find your own way between all these different ideas and opinions. And the same thing is, I would say that each horse is for each rider a kind of a schoolmaster. And uh, you can learn from all horses, from the good ones, from the not-so-good ones, from the talented ones, from the not-so-talented ones, from the well-educated ones, from, uh, from the not-so-good or the not-so-well-educated ones, and so on and so on. And you can learn from all of them. And when you are open, looking from the riders and trainers' point of view and coaches' point of view, when you are open for this, then it is for you amazing what you can learn from them and 
and you have to be open from yeah from the very beginning um, of your career in the saddle and uh, in the horse industry till your very last second you are there. You have to be always open and have always to ask yourself, what can I learn from this horse? Because each horse, what I did just did say, is a schoolmaster for you. And I think um, this is so special in our sport. And we are so blessed that we have the possibility to work with animals and at the end of the day with the loveliest animal which is on earth. And for me, uh, this is a horse, or these are horses. And therefore, I love it to work with all kinds of horses, big ones, small ones, uh, lazy ones, over-motivated ones, thoroughbreds, and so on and so on. And this is, for me, the spirit to find for each horse um, the special key. And the same thing looking from the uh, trainers and coaches' point of view to, to find the special key for the uh, when you train the rider as well. Nicht? All riders have their own personality. And to find the right key so that you are able to communicate with him or with her. And, and this is for me the challenge looking from my point of view. And this is for me yeah, kind of an advice uh, that uh, riders and trainers should look uh, from this point of view into this direction and always thinking what can I learn from my riders and especially in this case to your question what can I learn from my horses which are under my umbrella and we have the responsibility uh, to make uh, for these lovely animals the best what we can do and this is for me very important that we are doing it Oh, wonderful message, wonderful message that I think people can take away from that. Now, Christoph, before we go, people need to contact you. Now, on our page, which will be horsechats.com slash Christoph Hess, all your contact details will be on there. But if people are listening and they'd like to contact you direct now, what's the best way? Yeah, they, they can call me. Um, uh, I'm totally open. You have my my phone number, although mm. uh, my this is my home number. But I'm quite often not at home, so therefore they can call me on my on my um, cell phone or my, my my mobile. I'm easy to get uh, via um, WhatsApp, um, a text message, or Messenger, Facebook Messenger. That's possible as well. Or they can write me an email. And I love it to communicate with them, also verbal communication. I can speak WhatsApp something, a, a verbal message. I can write a message or they can uh, they will make a time, um, which is good for Australia, East Coast, West Coast, um, so that we make it as we do it. We are doing yeah. it now, 8 o'clock, my time. And um, that's possible for me, and when I know it, then then I said, okay, it's better landline or yeah, Skype is possible as well, or my cell phone. Also, whenever someone wants to come into contact with me, with me, I'm totally open, uh, and an email is possible as well. Like uh, ch at Christoph minus has uh, uh, dot info. Also um, everything is possible and yeah i like to communicate and i like 
if someone wants to get an advice, I want to give the advice or try to give the advice or answer the question. I don't know whether it's the right answer. I'm not Godfather, but I like to help. And yeah, because I love people and I love horses. And therefore, I'm from this point of view, totally open for a communication. All right. The other thing is too, that on your website, which is christoph hess.info, uh, there's a contact yeah. and contact details and Absolutely. people will be able to contact you through there. Yeah. 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 Christoph, yeah. I'm, you know, excited talking to you. I've chatted to you for a very, very long time and all of your information is valuable. You know, every single question that I asked you, you gave us a really thorough explanation all that depth of knowledge, it's just been fantastic. So thank you, and we'd love to have you back again, and um, we hope to talk to you again soon. So thank you. Yeah, Glenis, thank you very much indeed, and please stay healthy. The whole continent, the whole Australian country should stay healthy, and all the best. And to be honest, I like the Australian people very much. I like the, your way of living. It is easy going, but it's very serious what you are doing, so therefore... I was um, happy being in uh, Australia and I hope I will get the chance again to come back. And if I meet someone in Europe, in Germany, from Australia, I'm very, very happy as well. Also, all the best for you. Thank personally, you. Personally, especially, and yeah, for Thank all the others much. who are listening uh, to this interview. And you take care as well. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 